My name is Todd, and I'm living the dream getting to worship and serve Jesus with you, Holland Chapel, in this time and place. And we have flipped the script on you this morning. Uh, the sermon's coming a little early, and we're going to be doing some more singing and praising of our Lord uh, later on. Uh, if you would, in your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 2. That's where we'll be hanging out this morning. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go pick something up. Like that box, life is fragile. It can drop on us anytime. And like broken glass, our bodies break and we, we die. I hate death. I bet you can relate. It is not unusual for me to be spending time alone with God and to begin crying because I'm thinking about death in some, some way. In fact, one of my earliest childhood memories is receiving the news that a loved one had passed away, and I just remember crying in response, and this morning I'm using that loved one's Bible. Sometimes I will be thinking about friends and family that died when they were too young, and it just breaks me. Other times I'm thinking about friends and family members who lived into their older age, but I just wish that they had stopped aging and I could spend more time with them. Sometimes I begin crying because I'm thinking about you guys. When you've lost a loved one, and I know that you're grieving and I know that you're hurting, we can relate to this. Death just makes us sick and it hits all of us. Sometimes I've asked this question and, and maybe you have something like this and, and I've just asked, is this short life all there is? When death comes at a young age, at an older age, when death comes, are we just broken glass and that's it? Or, or is there life after death? Because if this short life is all there is, well, I've got a lot more questions. And I'm thinking, what is the point? And so we want to we know what, what God's Word says about this, right? Some might say, can we, can we even trust what God's Word, what the Bible says about this? Well, th think about this. The Bible has been read by more people. It's been translated into more languages. It's been copied more than any other book in history. The Bible was written by 40 authors who lived in different times and places over a period of 1,500 years, yet tells one story without contradiction. The Bible has survived persecution. The Bible has survived criticism. It has changed more lives, more families' lives. It has changed more governments in the course of history more than any other book throughout history. So yes, I would say that the Bible is a trustworthy source. And so we want to know what God's Word says about life and death. Is this short life all there is? In 1 Corinthians we read, if, if hope in Christ is only good for this life, we're to be pitied more than anyone else. And so we got to know. So we go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 
And we're going to read a story that's got some incredible things going on, but I believe that we can relate to some of the emotion, some of the situations that we're going to read about here. And so as we get ready to look at verse 1, pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We believe that it is true. We believe that it is useful for us today. We ask you to open our eyes to see wonderful truths here. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Let's pause. We're introduced to a couple of characters here. And so we might ask, okay, who are Elijah and Elisha anyway? Well, these are two fascinating followers of God from the Old Testament. And we read their stories in First and Second Kings. They were prophets. That is, they communicated God's message to the people, specifically to the people of Israel. God also performed many awesome miracles through them, showing his incredible power. Now, Elijah came along first. And I remember this, and keep this, this straight, because J comes before S. So Elijah came along first, and then Elisha, by God's direction, became Elisha with an S right there. So Elijah came along first, and then by God's direction, Elisha became his apprentice. And they spent several years together in this mentor-apprentice relationship, and they became close, like a father and son close and this is where maybe we can relate and connect to some of the situations and the emotions. You've had people that you've been close with, that you've traveled, experienced life with. You've shared memories, you've shared laughs with them, and you care deeply for them. Well, that's what we've got with these two gentlemen. Let's pick back up in verse 3. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Verse 5, then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. And we pause here, and we might ask this question, how do we feel when we know death 
is near. That's what was going on here. They knew that Elijah was soon going to be leaving this life. He was soon going to be leaving earth. They knew that. Uh, they, they were traveling and, and these other prophets, these other followers of God said, said hey, Elisha, do you know uh, that your time uh, with your friend, with your loved one, do you know that your time with him is, is almost over? And he said, yes, be quiet about it. He had this very somber uh, mood about him. And then Elijah said, Elisha, I've got I've to I've go on. You stay back. But Elisha, knowing that that day was drawing near, he said, no, you're not going to get rid of me. I'm staying with you. We know that death is coming. We know that that's, that's there. Hebrews says, it is appointed unto man once to die. We know that that is coming for us, for our friends, for our family members. And sometimes it comes unexpected, like that. And there's an accident or an aneurysm, and we don't have time to prepare for it. Other times, because of illness or aging, we know that that day is drawing near. And like in this story, they knew that the time was approaching. We know that our time with that loved one, we know that that time is short. And so we have that somber attitude like Elisha did. Don't talk about it. Let me just focus in this moment. Let me just spend this time. We know that that day is drawing near, and, and so we want to spend as much time as we can with that person. Let's continue in verse 7. Fifty men from the group of prophets. So these were just other followers of God that were, that were around there. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak. And this is where we get one of these incredible miracles. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. Verse 9, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. Again, they know that the time is near. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Let's pause here. And what is Elisha asking? Elijah says, okay, you're still with me, so, so what can I give you? What can I do for you before I, before I leave? And, and at first, this, as we read it, we may think, well, that sounds like a selfish request. Elisha is, is wanting something out of this. But really, it's, it's a humble request. Uh, so God had already told Elijah that Elisha would be his successor, that he would, that Elisha would carry on the ministry as prophet, communicating God's message to the people. God had already directed that, worked out that arrangement, and that's why we have this mentor-apprenticeship relationship for several years where they become close like a father and son. A father and son. 
a double share of the inheritance. That is the firstborn's son's inheritance. And so Elisha here is speaking to Elijah like a son would to their father. Can I have that double share? Can I carry on your legacy? He's simply asking, may what God, may what God has already directed come to fruition. May I continue your ministry communicating God's truth to people. Verse 11. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. Swing low, sweet chariot. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father. I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, and as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Now we're talking about death, and we're reading a passage where a person did not experience death. Isn't it ironic? This is one of the few exceptions of death, and I'm so thankful for it. Because when I ask the question, is this short life all there is, this gives me the answer. We started by asking that question, is this short life all there is? That's how we began. And then when we read this passage of scripture, we see, we see that this short life is not all there is. Heaven is a fact. It's a reality. Elijah was taken from this earth into heaven. He was no longer with Elisha, but he was not no longer. He lived on in heaven with the Lord. In fact, in Matthew chapter 17 in the Gospels, Jesus gives some of his close friends a little glimpse of heaven. They were on the mountain, and there before just a few of them, Jesus appeared with Elijah, who was still living. He wasn't no longer, he was just no longer with Elisha. He lived on with the Lord in heaven. Heaven is a fact, Jack, and that changes things. That changes the way we view death. That changes the way we deal with death. That changes the way we grieve death. Now, Elisha was still sad. It says he tore his robes. When we've lost loved ones who were followers of God, we're still sad. Because while we know they're not no longer, we experience the pain of them no longer being with us. And I love our Lord Jesus when he was at a funeral. The scriptures say that he wept. There is hurt. There is pain. The loss is real for us on this earth. But Elisha didn't grieve without hope. He wasn't sad without hope. He saw with his eyes a blessing, a treat that we might not ever get. 
we see a loved one leave this earth and their short life here end. Elisha saw life on earth end for Elijah, but he saw him taken into heaven. What a treat to see that. He saw it with his eyes. We believe it in our hearts. And so we don't have to grieve the loss of a loved one who's a follower of God without hope. It still hurts, but we know that they are with the Lord. Uh, This helps me think about that. So imagine that you have some loved ones, family or friend, from out of state, and they come in to visit you for a while. And you spend a few days together, and you go and you do some fun stuff. You make some great memories You share some laughs, some meals together, and then the day comes for them to leave, to return back to their house. And so you all walk out front, and you're on the front porch, and they're in their car, and as they drive away, you wave goodbye. And before long, they're out of sight. They're no longer with you, but you know, you know they're still out there. And so you wave goodbye, and as you're waving goodbye, it won't be but just a few hours, and someone back at their home will be welcoming them back. To be absent from the body, Corinthians says, is to be present with the Lord. And so when a loved one who's a follower of God dies, yeah, we're saying goodbye here. But in heaven, they're being warmly welcomed into the presence of the Lord, and we can look forward to seeing them again someday. Just as loved ones from out of state, we know it may be years before we see them again. We're not saying goodbye forever. We're saying, as a good friend of mine says, bye for now. In the New Testament, we get a little more information and clarity on heaven. I love this, this, this King's passage because we see that heaven is a fact. Elijah is there with the Lord. But in the New Testament, we get more clarity. We get more information on heaven. And I want to tell you, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful. It's, it's a place to look forward to. And I say a place because it's, it's got physical properties. Heaven is a place with a gate, with rooms, with, with animals, with food, with a river, with trees. And most of all, with Jesus. Revelation 21 gives us this beautiful picture. Scripture is going to be on the screen. I'm going to ask you to to read it out loud with me. Revelation 21, 3 and 4, on 3, 1, 2, 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And now verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Amen. We talk about death and how it makes us sad and weep and cry. But in heaven, someday, a place where there's a gate and rivers and rooms and trees and animals and and, and food and eating and activities, a place where there is Jesus, there will be no more crying. There will be no more death. It will be done with. So heaven is our real hope. Heaven is a reality that we can look forward to, that we can find comfort in when we are grieving the loss of followers of God. 
We don't have to fear death. We can have heaven as our hope. I want you to think about a, a beautiful place that you've been. Uh, maybe it's the beach and looking out across the ocean. Maybe you like to go to the mountains. I want you to think about uh, just an incredible, fascinating experience, some fun experience that you've had that's just exhilarating. When we think about the best on this earth, it gives us just a little glimpse of heaven. We can have that heaven as our hope because Jesus, he took the sting out of death. There's a picture on the screen, and on a hot summer day, if you walk out on the porch and you see one of these nests with a lot of activity, it causes quite a bit of fear. And you hightail it out of there, and you get your spray, and you give that nest a bath. Why? Because you don't want to get stung. But what if those wasps didn't have a stinger? If they couldn't sting you, there'd be nothing to be scared of. It'd be kind of like walking out and seeing a bird's nest. Oh, that's cute. Sin is the sting of death. Because of our sin problem, death leads to hell. Eternal separation from God. Heaven's not our hope because of sin. But Jesus... He took the stinger out. Jesus, on the cross, in his death and resurrection, he took care of our sin problem. So we can say, as we read in the New Testament in Corinthians, we can say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God, we have victory over sin and death through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today we've been talking about death and we've been talking about heaven. And we've got a lot of folks out here and we've got different emotions, we've got different things that we're dealing with. Some of you here, though, may be thinking, I am tired of being scared of death. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of not knowing if I'll be going to heaven or not. Well, the Bible is very clear. We don't want to complicate things because the Bible is very clear that Jesus took the sting out of death. Jesus took care of our sin problem on the cross. So the Bible is very clear that if we don't want to be scared of death, the Bible is very clear that if we want to know heaven is our home, is our hope, if we want to know that, then we simply need to call on Jesus and ask him to save us, ask him to rescue us us. The Word of God says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life. Eternal life. That means this short life is not all there is. Eternal life goes on and on. And this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son, the one who took the sting out of death. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. It's not complicated. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So if you want to know that you have life, if you want, if you want to have that eternal life, then you call on Jesus, the Son, to be your rescuer, your Savior. There's a prayer on the screen. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to read this out loud together. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then as we read this together, reflect on God's grace in your life. Reflect on the wonderful truth that he has given you salvation. If this is your prayer today (laughs) to Jesus to be your Savior so that you're no longer scared of death, you're no longer scared of dying, and you know that heaven is your hope, then, then read this, pray this sincerely from your heart. And so on to, we'll read this together slow. One, two, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I know that I am a broken sinner in need of forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for sin. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and save me and help me to follow you and take me to heaven someday. Amen. Amen. And if that is your sincere prayer, your sincere calling on Jesus today, then this smile is for you. So happy for you, so thankful for you, and we want to help you start your journey with Jesus. And so Pastor Grant will will give you some encouragement at the end of our time together and ask you just to share with us that you called on Jesus so that we can come alongside you, celebrate with you, and help you. Now, in just a moment, we're going to be taking communion or the Lord's Supper together. And, and what this is, this is a practice that Christians uh, eat and drink, eat, eat bread and drink juice together in worship as a reminder of what Jesus did for us, as a reminder of how he took the sting out of death so that we could have hope and a home in heaven. Now, uh, this is open to everyone who has called on Jesus and is following him. If you're at a place where you're still unsure about Christ, then we encourage you to let this be a time of reflection on his death and resurrection. If you have young children who have not yet made a, a personal profession of faith in Jesus, then we encourage you to let this be a great teaching opportunity this afternoon to have a, a gospel conversation with them. Uh, But now I'm going to ask you to please stand with me. And then after we pray, uh, we're going to begin singing a worship song together. And when we do that, from your rows, if you will exit to your left and then come to the table, pick up the bread, pick up the cup, return to your seat, remain standing, continue singing And then after everyone has had an opportunity to come to the table, I'll step back up and lead us in taking the elements together. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying in our place so that we don't have to be afraid of death, so that we can have a hope in heaven. We remember this today with thanksgiving and with celebration. Have mercy on us, sinners. Amen.